We'll be continuing on with our walk through 1 John. We're now in chapter 4, the first six verses. Close to the battle lines during the Korean War, a U.S. sentry was walking his post one night when he heard a sound in the darkness. And he called out in the darkness, he, he called out, Halt! Who goes there, friend or foe? A voice replied, friend. So the sentry said, repeat for me the second verse of the Star-Spangled Banner. The voice responded, I don't know the second verse. So the sentry said, advance, friend. There is no second verse. That one would probably go better in America. <laughs> it wasn't a Canadian century, okay? But there's a lesson there for us. Christians, we need to always be on guard to carefully distinguish between spiritual friends and spiritual enemies. Okay? Believing everybody can be just as dangerous as believing nobody. Our world, our world was lost. Our sin had disconnected us from God. But out of His love for us, God sent His Son to come as a man here in this world and rescue us from our sins and reconnect us back with God. And the power, the power that gives each one of us what Jesus has done for us is the good news about Jesus. That, that message, we call it the gospel. The good news, the gospel, and in, we get that in word and in sacraments. That is the power that gives each one of us the blessings of what Jesus has done for the whole world. And God has entrusted that message, the gospel in word and sacraments, that powerful gospel message to us, his followers. Everyone in the world needs to hear that powerful gospel message because they were born in sin and they need to be reconnected with God. The Word, the Bible, and the sacraments, and that includes baptism, we don't have our font up here, but that includes both baptism and the Lord's Supper. The Bible and the sacraments are the tools, the tools which dispense that powerful gospel message. And we are the ones that God has given those tools to, to use. So our whole purpose here, cross of life, and our whole purpose here, the church of God on this earth, the thing that Jesus has recruited you and me to do, simply put, is to share that word with others and to grow in our ability to share it. But our enemy, Satan, knows how powerful the Word of God is. And he sees the Word and the sacraments for exactly what they are. The powerful weapon that will destroy his control over the world. And so Satan recruits and trains a counterforce of spiritual liars to infiltrate the church. And whether they know it or not, twist and change God's truth. 
And Satan is so crafty at doing this that most of his agents actually think that they are working for God. Verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Both the spirit of truth and the spirit of error use human beings as their mouthpieces. So it is up to us to determine which one is from God and which one is from Satan. Notice something there right away in verse 1. All of us are to test the spirits. Okay? All of us are to test the spirits. All believers are to be testing and examining the teachings, the spirits. Not just pastors and teachers. All of us. The Bible tells us, in fact, in another passage that that even angels, even the message from angels is supposed to be tested. So how much more the message from human beings? How much more that should be tested if if we even have to test uh, the message that we get from angels? We can't accept every message, every spirit that we hear. Jesus said, Right here in this verse, he said, and he said in the gospel, he said there will be false prophets in the world. And there were. John, writing this letter, was already addressing the Gnostic spirits among his readers. They were already being carried away by this time. They were already being carried away by the spirits of error, like Jesus said would happen. The ones promoting it in the churches that John was pastoring and shepherding there, the ones promoting this false teaching, the spirit of error, were... Um, they were very credible. They were wise by the standards of the world. And that makes it very easy to be gullible, doesn't it? When the ones speaking and teaching it are very wise and credible. It can be so easy to be a sucker for the latest new message out there, can't it? It's very easy to be impressed by the signs and wonders of some prophet by a, a, you know, a flashy show, by a great intellect, uh, a, a charismatic personality, um, success and power. Friends, we all, each one of us, need to carefully examine and we need to test any teaching that claims to be speaking for God, and including me. Part of what you're doing here, whether you're a member here at Cross of Life, whether you're visiting us today, part of what you're doing is examining what I say because I'm just a sinful human being like you. So part of what you're doing is examining what I say. Test what I teach because right now I'm in the position of teaching you God's Word. Test that. We need to test anyone who claims to be speaking for God's Word. The, The appearance of the speaker, the size of the building, the number of people that teacher draws in the crowd are all irrelevant what matters what matters is what are they teaching people what are they teaching people verse 2 this is how you can recognize the spirit of god every spirit that acknowledges that jesus christ has come in the flesh is from God. So this is the test. 
Does the teacher profess that Jesus is both true God and true man? Does the teacher profess that Jesus is the Christ, that means true God, and that Jesus has come in the flesh, in other words, true man? John, John was directly challenging the Gnostic teachers with this verse because they were saying that Jesus didn't really come here as a man to save us. And so he's directly challenging them. Because that one thing, the fact that they were denying that Jesus came here as a man to save us, that one thing should have been enough to tell them not to listen to any more of it. If if anyone that is teaching uh, does not believe Jesus is true God, true man who came here to save us, just you're done listening to that person. William White. William White was a... uh, newspaper editor and he received tons of articles daily from aspiring writers you know hoping to be published and he returned most of those back to their authors with rejection slips one disgruntled disappointed woman wrote back to to william white and and she wrote um sir you sent back a story of mine but i know you didn't even read it you see i secretly pasted together pages 19 and 20 And when the manuscript was returned to me, those two pages were still stuck together. So I happen to know that you turn people's stories and articles back without even reading them. Well, White sent her a very brief reply. Said, Dear Madam, when I tasted uh, an egg for breakfast this morning, I didn't have to eat the whole thing to determine that it was bad. If a teacher teaching about God denies that Jesus is true God and true man, then that teacher's, that Jesus is true God and true man who lived, died, and rose again to save us from our sins, then that teacher's teaching is a bad egg. Don't go any further with it. Don't eat the rest of it. Stop eating from it at all. The truth about Jesus, his divinity, his humanity, the fact that he is our Savior, The truth about Jesus is the central teaching of the Word of God. And that's why it's the prime target for Satan and his agents, his spirits. Because if you take the truth of Jesus down, it all comes down with it. And since the Bible is all connected, when you start eroding away at all the other parts of it, eventually that is going to take down the central truth and teaching of Jesus too. Verse 3 says, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So if Jesus and what Jesus has done for for, for us is not at the heart and core of what you teach, then you are a tool of the devil. You are not from God. John was showing the the Gnostic teachers, he was showing that the Gnostic teachings were anti-Christ. And the same thing is true for false spirits who deny Jesus today. Buddhists, Hinduism, Judaism, 
Islam, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. They want nothing to do with the Jesus of the Bible. Neither do the theology and philosophy departments of most universities. Neither do a lot of teachers in our schools who claim to be teachers of God. Friends, they, they, they deny that Jesus is God because, it, because it's not acceptable or, or popular to speak of Jesus as God. Don't let these people be your teachers. Don't listen to what they say. Test the spirits. Don't let them be your teachers. The government, the state, regulates the practice of medicine. Okay? If you don't have the proper medical degrees, you are not going to be licensed to practice medicine here. And I think we'd all agree that's a good thing, right? We're, we're happy that the state regulates the practice of medicine, right? Uh, the government also regulates the construction industry. If a construction company sets out to build houses by gluing the boards together instead of fastening them with the proper hardware, they're not going to get a building permit. And thank God, because those would not be very safe houses to live in, would they? The government regulates the food industry. Can you imagine if there were no regulations on what you might find in your McBurger? Or in your, the dairy products that you get at Metro? It's scary enough. But the state, the government, does not regulate spiritual practices. And so we have to. People can say whatever they want about God. We need to examine every teaching about God to see that it lines up with what God teaches us about himself in his word. Teaching a baby to eat on their own is, is a fascinating thing. And one of the things that you have to teach a little one uh, when they are learning to eat on their own, one, maybe one of the most important things, is, is teaching them to examine what they're putting in their mouth, to, to know and examine and recognize what it is that they are putting in their mouth. If they never learn to examine the things they're eating before just shoving them in their mouth, obviously at some point they're going to get to the point where they put something very harmful in their mouth. Um, especially if they don't have a Mr. Yuck sticker on it. So um, that is maybe one of those important things about teaching a baby to learn to eat, helping them understand and recognize things that might be harmful for them as opposed to the things that are good for them. The same thing is true with Christians, especially young Christians. If we're talking babies, especially Christians who are new in their faith, brand new Christians, it is absolutely important and crucial they need to be careful what they eat in terms of spiritual food we all do if, if we can just sum up this text the lord is saying don't be gullible don't receive everything you hear from somebody just because they claim to be from god let's look at verse four you dear children are from god and have overcome them, meaning the spirits of the world. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now this is comforting. You who confess Jesus, you Christians, 
Even you brand new Christians, you children, you, want, you, you Christians who have just come to know Him and just come to faith in Him, here's the comforting thing. You are from God. You're already from God. The, God's Spirit has brought you to faith. That, that's what makes you a child of God. And so you are part of God's family now. And God is greater than the one who's in the world. God is greater than the spirits of the world. So that means that you have overcome them. I mean, maybe some of you in here are, are you're worn out. You're, you're worn out from that struggle against Satan, the, the struggle in this, in this world, the sinful world that makes things difficult all the time. You're, you're worn out by that, but, but here's what this verse is saying. The, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God who speaks to us in the Word, that Spirit of God is living in you by that same true Word. And so that means that you are greater than the one who is in the world. Because the one who is greater than the one who is in the world is living inside of you by the Spirit of God. And that makes you greater than the one who is in the world. Let me, let me help you understand that. Uh, maybe you've heard of the Mariana Trench. The Mariana Trench is the deepest part of the Pacific Ocean and at, at 10 kilometers or so deep, the deepest part of any ocean on, that we know of on Earth. Now, the walls of the submarines that descend, I know they can go as far down as about three kilometers deep in Mariana Trench, are constructed of thick steel plates that are built to withstand the enormous pressure that the water places on them. But the photographs taken from these heavily protected submarines reveal fish swimming three kilometers, two miles below the surface of the water with scales no thicker than that of any other kind of fish. How can this be? The answer is simple. All the kids are going, I know. The answer is simple. The pressure inside of those fish is equal to the pressure that the water places on them from the outside. And that is the beauty of Christianity. You see, so many people try to, to, to erect these massive walls to try to insulate them, protect them from the attacks of whatever, the attacks of the enemy, whatever might attack them. And, and then they end up getting frustrated because they get isolated, right? Like you might be in a submarine. But the key is not setting up, erecting walls to protect you from the attacks of the enemy. The key, the key is to realize that the one who is in you is greater than whatever pressure or force might attack you from the outside. The one who is in you is greater than any pressure or force that might attempt to attack you. And when we realize that the one who is in us is greater than any temptation or trouble or trauma or difficulty that we might come up against, then we can move about freely in this world. Do you see the importance of continuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you guys see the importance of continuing to be filled with the Word of God, continuing to be in the Word of God? Because when we are filled with the Spirit of God, when we are filled with the Spirit of truth, then nothing on the outside can harm you. Nothing on the outside can drag you away from the hope that God has given you in Jesus. 
Nothing can crush you. Nothing can destroy you when inside of you is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth that connects you to the hope we have in Jesus. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside of you. And you don't need, as we say, a thick skin and all that kind of stuff. What you need is the Spirit of God inside. And then nothing can come against us. Verse 5 says, they, and it's speaking about the, the false teachers, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. See, false teachers, they, draw their, they don't draw their subject matter from here. They draw their subject matter from the life, the feelings, and the opinions of the world. And they have no trouble gathering large crowds of followers because they're just telling them what they want to hear anyway. There's is the stuff that no one will mind plugging on a talk show. Anyone will sell it on a bookshelf. Okay, the, the talking heads on TV, the, uh, the self-help books, the Oprahs, the Ellens, the, um, the psychiatrists that point you to yourself instead of to God. Our society eats the stuff up like it's the greatest thing ever. It's the viewpoint of the world. But the most dangerous ones are the ones who are supposed to be Christian. False prophets with huge churches uh, being broadcast on TV, on radio, being podcasted around the world. They claim to be Christian but their message betrays the truth of Jesus. I want to give you names. I, I, I want to I give you some Mr. Yuck stickers to put on some names, but that's not the way to do this, okay? That's not what the text says. The text says you need to test the spirits. You need to examine the teachings of the teachers you hear. So what I will do is tell you what to look for. Listen for messages that don't talk about sin. Okay, because then why do we need Jesus? Listen, um, many, many preachers, famous preachers, have, have built entire ministries by avoiding talk of sin. Who wouldn't want to hear that? But then why do we need Jesus? Another thing you need to listen for, because it's one of the bigger ones out there, is talk about what we call prosperity gospel. And, and one of the most famous man Christian teachers and one of the most famous woman Christian teachers being broadcast and podcast will tell you that the Christian walk is about having your best life now here on earth. They will tell you that... that um, you can be earthly successful when you follow God. And they equate following God to success and health and comfort and so forth on earth. But they deny the truth of Jesus. Their message betrays what the Bible is truly telling us about Jesus and the hope that it's truly pointing us forward. And their theology does not agree with God's word. There's another one, one I was intrigued by and, and even read some of now claiming that homosexuality is not a sin, claiming that there is no hell. Then why do we need Jesus? There are all kinds of churches out there that are open and welcoming. They will let anyone walk up and take communion. In fact, they will let a lot of things happen that God doesn't let happen in the Bible. They are confessing the truth of Jesus. 
They're, they're telling you what you want to hear. They're telling the world what it wants to hear. You, you all, we all, and so I know you all hear all kinds of voices telling you about God, teaching you about God. As you listen to your podcast, as you listen to your, your broadcast, your, your Christian radio, and there are a lot of great teachers out there. There are. But there are also a lot of bad ones. And sometimes, when it seems too easy for a teacher to draw a huge crowd of people, it might be because they are just telling them what they want to hear. So what I'm saying to you, what, what God is saying to you is this, friends. Test them. Examine them. Test them to see that what they're teaching is the same thing that what God is teaching in his word. Test the spirits. Why fill up on junk food instead of what will make you strong? Why look at pornography instead of loving your spouse? Let's look at verse 6. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. There is a reason why people are going to say amen to what they hear in the Bible, and some people are not going to say amen to what they hear in the Bible. Finally, either you believe in God or you don't. You and I are going to run into a lot of people who won't accept our message from God. But numbers never have guaranteed which side God is on. Uh, Noah could tell you that. Elijah could tell you that. Popularity is not the same thing as truth. It might just mean that a lot of fools are running to the same place. Friends, don't follow a herd of fools. But that means that sometimes it might be lonely to be a Christian in today's world. In, in Islamic countries. In Mississauga. In a secular university. Maybe even in your own family. But the Word of God is mightier than the mightiest PhD dissertation. And the Word of God is more influential than the most popular talk show host. And what gives us this confidence? Because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in us, Jesus Christ, come in the flesh to save you. Jesus. It's a, a little word. It's a small name. But if you speak that name in public, unless it's a profanity, that name is going to probably cause an explosion. You can say God, and you won't get a squeak. You can say, Our Father in Heaven, and maybe only a few will flinch. You can say, Great Spirit, and people will nod in approval. You can say, Allah, and you will be deemed tolerant. But if you say Jesus, just sit back and wait for the explosion. Articles will, be, will appear in the newspaper. Uh, reprimands will be issued from the home office. Flyers will be recollected by the principal and returned to you. So don't say Jesus. Jesus is divisive, and, and right now is a time for unity. 
Jesus is an extremist, and so that must mean right-wing. Jesus is exclusive. So that means his name amounts to hate speech. So don't say his name in public. Keep his name to yourself. Hide it in your church. Lock it in your prayer closet. Close it up in the covers of your Bible. But don't say his name in public because that's immodest. It's immoral. It's unloving. Only one problem. Jesus is God. Only one problem. Jesus alone brings salvation. Only one problem. All other gods are nothing. So speak his name aloud. Shout it from the mountain. Proclaim it from the soccer field. Whisper it in the dark. Write it in the sky. That's not hate. That is hope. Hope in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.